Welcome to the No Backing Down Podcast. Your host Sean Stellato brings you amazing guests with incredible stories of triumph and success. Prepare to be inspired. Here we are tonight. I would say we're ready to kick off, but no, we're ready to start our engine. And I'm super excited for this next guest, the pride of New England, I should say pride of Peabody, Massachusetts, uh, U.S. Supercross three-time podium appearances, 2015 Australia champion, Jimmy Dakotas. Jimmy, how you doing this evening? I'm doing very good, Sean. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, my friend. This is uh, I'm wicked excited because hey, I've got another you know close uh, compadre, Prat Italiano, as well as being a North Shore. We both got our thick accents, so all you need, all you New Yorkers out there, you know, you can you you can dream of having this beautiful accent. But uh, anyway, we're happy to have you. Um, so, how's everything going during the pandemic? I know, obviously, uh, it's uncertain times. You hanging in there? Yeah, it is. Uh, pandemic was a, a definitely a weirder time for me than I think. I guess it was for everyone, but it was definitely a weirder time for me because I had gotten sick and my symptoms started flaring up with my Lyme disease uh, the weekend of March 7th. It was basically right before everything closed down. So I had basically announced I wasn't going to race for the rest of the season until I had got healthy. And then we flew back to Charlotte from Daytona. And when we landed, basically, it was everything was locked down at that point. So it was weird because I kind of was like, well, I'm done racing. And then they shut the series down and we kind of just hung out and I just tried to uh, rest up and just get healthy enough to where I could start um, focusing on what I was going to try to do next to me. Excellent. Well, you know, we're going to elaborate more on the Lyme disease. Um, And I'm I'm glad you, you know, obviously got back to safety. Uh, Crazy times, but uh, we will prevail. Uh, I'm wearing my, I'm wearing actually, I know it's not a motocross hat, but I am representing a little NASCAR going on. I, I, I am also right here. Joe Gibbs. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. My brother got me my, my football number was 22. So thought little, and I love red, but uh, you know, Jimmy, I grew up, I, I lived the stick and ball uh, sport, um, you know, and obviously um, I grew up, I didn't, I didn't really come to appreciate extreme sports till I got a little older uh, sk- skiing, race car driving, uh, motocross, all that, the crazy, uh, you know, I should say intense, uh, athletes out there. Um, you know, Ernest Hemingway was quoted saying there are only three real sports, bullfighting, motor racing, mountain tearing, all the rest are merely games. What, what do you think of that? So is mountain tearing, is that like mountain climbing? I guess it is. I had a tough time oh, pronouncing it. I watched that movie Free Solo, I believe, when he climbed the rock with no yes. any no connection or anything, and that was nuts. I would never do that. And then I'm sure that guy would never get on a dirt bike and hit a 75 foot triple either. So I think you, if that's that's a bold statement, I would say because I believe every other sport is you know insane, and I I've respected stick and ball sports and any type of football, any anything like that. Hockey, I've always loved growing up. Golf, I'm pretty much addicted to golf now been my new gig so um yeah I, I wouldn't say that's a true statement I just would say it's a different it's a different athlete in compared to some of the team sports but it's more of just a singular person doing one thing but that doesn't define whether it's a sport or not I believe they're all sports and every athlete is talented in every single aspect well and you know what and I I think you're pretty accurate and uh, all due respect to Mr. Hemingway probably one of the greatest 
authors of our time. Um, you know, but uh, I agree with you definitely on that one. Um, and my close experience to motocross was ripping a 50 back in the day. Yep. And, uh, I, but what a, what a fun sport to watch. And for you listeners that do not know Jimmy or do, are not familiar with the sport, if you just got your heads glued into football or, or the four major sports, you got to check this guy out. Uh, just as he said, 75 miles an hour, hitting at all angles and uh, getting it done. You know, Tony Horton, household name, uh, founder of P90X, he yep. was asked which athletes are in the most shape. Now, this is a guy that's trained everyone, MMA, cycling. Yep. Tony Horton's response, motocross, best endurance athletes in the world, endurance sport. I mean, that's someone that's a fitness guru. That's a pretty powerful statement to make. I'm, I'm guessing he's ridden a dirt bike before. Because I don't think if you've never ridden a dirt bike before, you, you, you'd make that statement because it, it really is. And I think more of the, the grind of what these athletes do and what we do during the week that people don't even see that adds up to the racing on the weekends. And you're doing 30 minutes on the dirt bike, at least, more like an hour a day, four days a week at extremely high intensity, 180 heart rate, 185, 190 heart rate. So it's really taxing on the body to be doing that over and over and over again i mean it's like you're running high intensity your body's in fight or flight mode four days out of the week for an hour a day and eventually a lot of guys wear down and you see guys retiring three years into their into their prime and motocross and supercross because their bodies just can't handle it and it's different though if you look at say tour de france those guys are in a completely different cardiovascular state than us so it's it's definitely, I believe, is one of the hardest sports due to the danger side of it, too, on top of the physical aspect of it. But I believe, I mean, soccer players, they run, I don't even know the number, how many miles they run. Like, you need to be fit to do any single sport that involves running or lifting or put, you know, anytime, anything that's taxing on the body. It's just all a different, you know, it's a different way on the cardiovascular system that taxes it and that that changes your body. But yeah, it's, it, I believe it's one of the hardest. Ones. Yeah, you're right. It's a concoction of everything. The other thing is, you know, and, and it's funny, you talk about taxing and, you know, obviously we know about being consistent. We know about being disciplined, repetition. You know, when I was playing arena ball, I used to do 150 miles of sprint in a week. And after every practice, or at least four days a week, I'd run 40 to 50,000 stadium steps. But that's obviously a lot different. And I, I thought yep. high, high motion and, uh, you know, yo-yo motion and all the crazy uh, extra running I do, but that's nothing what uh, you guys do, and, and that's real intense. Uh, tell me this, you know, how did you get into motocross, Jimmy? Well, I would say my brother, basically. My brother got into it, my dad got into it, and I was just a young kid that was around these dirt bikes, and I was just like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I want to ride these things, and I started at probably two years old. I was on a bicycle in my garage with no training wheels, and my dad and uh, one of our family friends who was a pro back then was Jojo Keller. And uh, he, they would push me on my bike. Just They'd get like five feet apart, push me, and then they'd get 10 feet apart. And then eventually I just rode out of the garage at two years old. And they're like, all right. And I just kind of stuck with it from there. And I just started racing every weekend. And I was really fortunate that my dad was able to bring me racing and, and do that every weekend because we had eight brothers and sisters. So he would take time out of his – out of their lives to come and, and do stuff with me. And, you know, I was just, I just love to do it. And that's kind of 
what drove me was it wasn't even about winning races or anything. It was just about, I love to ride my dirt bike. And then it just brought me to where it brought me today. Wow. That's impressive. Who was, who was your biggest role model uh, as a motocross racer as a kid? I would say the, the, all the new England guys growing up, you know, I didn't leave new England till I was about 14, 15. So I never got to see the California people and all that stuff. I was basically new England and Florida in the winter. So I was John Dow, Jojo Keller, Mike Treadwell, like all these guys, you know, Keith Johnson, all the local New England guys were kind of my, my, those dudes I looked up to. That's great. You know, Doug Flutie was my boyhood idol. It's refreshing to hear. We stuck to our roots on our, our role, yeah. role models in our, yeah. each of our sports. Can you maybe, you know, Jimmy, I know obviously being around you, uh, doing dual diligence uh, as a professional athlete, we all know the training component is very, it's complicated, it's intense. Um, how you can really get your competitive advantage is you got to train and work out and outwork your competition. Can you maybe uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your training, some of the routines and what you did uh, to get to this level you were at? Yeah, I, I being from New England, I didn't learn about the training aspect for a while. I was just, like I said, I rode, rode, rode. And when I got turned pro, it was kind of a reality check. You're like, whoa, just riding the dirt bike isn't enough. And it kind of hit me there and I ended up hiring a trainer full time. And, you know, we start, you start riding, basically the trainer will train the four guys on the, on the team, the four riders. So you're riding with the four fastest guys on your team, which is most likely those guys are going to win the, or some of the guys that can win the races. So you're training and riding with these, the fastest guys you can ride with every single day, day in and day out. And I think that's what gets success in this sport. But it took me a while to realize that you have to look at the small things like I overlooked the yoga the stretching the sleeping the eating and I was just like oh train 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 do all this meathead stuff and then you're just you kind of hit a wall and you run out of steam and you're like why why can't I continue to perform at the level I'm performing and you know I learned through balanced training um, not taxing my system too much off the off the dirt bike on the motorcycle it was always low intensity bicycles and and um, light weights and stuff to try to just continue to maintained during the season but i mean it's it's nine to five monday through sunday you you live it every single day it's it's a it's a tough sport it's a tough regimen it really is i know being a pro for 11 years i mean that's a that's a i know the average lifespan player of an nfl player is 3.3 years um and with regards obviously horse racing the jockey's got to weigh a certain yeah. amount of weight motocross is there anything to do with weight uh, does that as any does that factor in, into training or uh, or how you qualify for races uh like a boxer or a, or a jockey yeah it doesn't factor in for you know racing ability or level or anything we race the 250 and the 450 class and um they're just basically the same exact bike one just has a bigger engine and weighs a little bit but you're able to do the same exact obstacles on both bikes so we do the 250 and uh 450 so it's basically i mean what it comes down to is just you start in the 250 class as a rookie and you build up there. And uh, once you point out, you move into the 450 class. And then that's where, you know, that's where the James Stewart, Chad Reed, Ricky Carmichael, and all those guys, that's where you want to be. That's the cream of the crop. And now the younger group, Cooper Webb, and all these guys moving up. Excellent. Now, what you obviously grew up in New England, heart yep. of Patriot country. You witnessed a lot of Super Bowl wins in a short life. Uh, Red Sox, Celtics. What other sports do you enjoy playing? I really enjoy golf. I do a lot. Um, speaking of moments growing up, actually, I remember that the field goal they kicked in the snow game 
in the playoffs. And I, I remember that jumping up and down on my couch as a kid. And, like, I don't know why that game, that moment, like, stuck in me forever as a Patriots fan. It was like that moment was, was awesome. But, yeah, I enjoy golf a lot. I'm pretty much addicted to golf right now at the moment. Been going probably three, four times a week. Excellent. Good transitional sport, too. A little lower impact. It is. I don't feel like I'm going to get hurt every day out there. And uh, I really like it. But, you know, we went home. I went home and visited Massachusetts last week. That's why, you know, we had postponed this little meeting because I was driving. Yes. So, um, yeah, I just got back down here. But when I was home, I actually rode a lot on the dirt bike and got to go out with my friends and celebrate Fourth of July and see the family. So it was uh, super cool to go back home. Excellent. Did you put it on uh, Smitty? What's that? On golf? I, you, you put it on Smitty in golf? I did. He beat me one day, though. Yep. He beat me the first day. I was, I was not, not happy. Yep. Hey, you know what? He probably had his lucky charms that morning. But yeah, uh, <laughs> tell me, um, can you literally tell me some of your motocross injuries? I know you had the broken back. Um, you know, at that point, breaking your back, I'm sure the recovery, just the whole experience, uh, must have been brutal. But for you to, you know, pick yourself up, um, that's the purest example of what no backing down stands for. Um, can you maybe talk about the back injury, any other injuries in your Lyme disease? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my back injury was, was definitely scary. When I crashed, I initially was like, I couldn't move weird. And I thought maybe I, I don't know, collapsed something inside of me or had internal bleeding. It felt more like that. And I was just like, get me to the hospital. And once I realized that, you know, I was like, I broke it pretty close, you know, um, like it was, it was pretty close. They said I was pretty close to being paralyzed. So that kind of spooked me a little bit. But then as a racer, you heal up what I was on the dirt bike three months after that. It was just like, as soon as you heal up, you're like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. So, um, yeah, I've done my elbow, both my ankles, my ACL. The ACL was actually the hardest one, just as I'm sure a lot of people know, football going through an ACL, it's, it's really tough. That one I struggled with a lot. Um, but yeah, my biggest one, my biggest battle was the Lyme disease for sure. Um, I'm really even thankful I found it. I went through a year where I just couldn't finish the races and I was tired and felt like run down and depressed. And I'm like, man, I am racing a dirt bike for a living right now. I got a beautiful girlfriend at the time who's my wife now, but like everything was in a, I have a beautiful dog. Everything was just going good for me. And I was just really like depressed. And then we did all these tests and it was Epstein bar and we couldn't figure it out at first. So I took a step back and the doctor's like, wait, he's like, you're from Massachusetts. Like you need to get tested for Lyme. And when I did that and it hit me, I was like, I have every Lyme symptom and I hadn't had it for probably a year at that point. So it's been, that was two years ago. So now it's been, been a battle just trying to get through it and do treatment and learn and grow. And, you know, my goal one day is to be able to help people with Lyme, but I got I have to help myself first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Wow. Those are some, and, and I'll tell you, you know, obviously motocross doesn't have a union, correct? No, we don't. No, we, yeah. we, we need one actually. Yeah. We, yeah. You know, look, because it's tough. It's a small, it's a niche sport. It really is. It's a smaller sport. It's, it's not as big as the four sports and you know, it's definitely a tough sport to make a living in and build a future retirement after it. You know, it's, it's short lived. It's definitely good money for how short lived it is, but you have to be smart and you have to put it away because it's expensive. I mean, some of these guys are paying their trainers hundred grand a year, mm. you know, and you get taxed on the money and you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You don't make as much as people don't make as much as they think. So it's a, it's definitely a 
a tough sport to succeed in. So yeah, I think something, a union is something we really need. Benefit, yeah, benefit from and yeah. protect you guys, especially listening to all your injuries, you know, uh, I'm sh- exactly. And I know that's great one of the promoters. things. We, we do though. We have great promoters that, that help us, you know, Feld has definitely stepped up a lot, but I just think the union can help Feld. It can help the riders. It can help MX sports. These are all the promoters in our series, but more than it can just help bring everyone together and, and, and help like that's what i think our sport is lacking because we don't have anything like a union. wow and uh i know that's something i'm sure that will be uh for com- conversation uh as this thing continues oh, to yeah. move f- forward um you obviously jimmy embody the no back and down uh you know spirit and uh you you performed you know like a a, a pedigree and you've mm-hmm. You know, the grit, the resiliency has been remarkable. Um, you know, I know you, you know, through this this journey, that this road that you've been traveling, you've obviously had some heartache and hardships along the way. Um, you know, I remember, and you know, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to meet your dad, but I heard so many great things about him, especially having nine children and, and yeah. being a passionate guy. Can you maybe talk about, uh, you know, I know he passed away the same time my sister-in-law did uh, in November of 16. Can you maybe talk about the impact he had on your life and how you're carrying his legacy forward? Yeah, I'm, when he passed, it was such a sad time for my family and us. But at the same time, I, I knew deep down that I was still living his dream. You know, we, we lived it together. He, we grew up. He wanted me to go ride every weekend. He gave me money to go race. He'd give, spend his last dollar to go send me racing. I'm fortunate that he did He did all that stuff for me because it built a relationship that was something we had like as that grew organically and we got to spend weekends at the races and stuff. And dude, my dad was the funniest guy ever. Like he never, I'd get first or last, he did not care. Like it, it didn't matter. It was just about, is my son happy? And then you see this kid over here who won the race, but he, he didn't win by a big enough gap and his dad's freaking out yelling at him. And it's like, I'm like, I'm so thankful. I didn't, I didn't grow up like that. And that just shows the man that my father was, he just was there to make his kids happy. And you know, that's kind of what I've learned through him and how I try to treat everyone in life is, you know, he gave everyone, whether they did him wrong, he still gave them a chance in life. And I think that's, that's how life should be lived. We all deserve second chance. And that really defines what a role model is. And, um, you know, that being said, it's, uh, it's important to have, you know, to have that connection. And thing that's refreshing to hear you talk about your dad is he didn't live through you. He lived with you. And I think today's society, you've got so many dads putting tremendous pressure on their kids to do something they never did. And, um, yeah, so that's, uh, refreshing to hear. And yeah. obviously you got, I you. Know, I don't know if I will push my kid to race dirt bikes or not. We'll see yeah, when I get there I, one day, but I'd leave that decision up to them. You know what? I hear what you're saying. And I love I'm, the sport. I'm, love the sport, and I would love to be able to take my kid riding and share those moments. But if they don't, then they don't. That's There's just, plenty of other things to do to right. fill that gaps exactly, and that's what that's what the uh, you know CDs are for, and and the TV and the uh, instant yeah. replay, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you recently got married to to Jamie. You know, yeah. I, I love I love looking at your guys' pictures. Beautiful couple. Couple. Uh, can you maybe talk a little bit about the impact she's had on your life and? Uh, you know, being someone that's happily married and, and met a, a soulmate early, I know that's so important to team up, to have success, and to just wake up feeling whole every day. It is, and she played a, a huge part in what I've done the last seven years since we've been together. You know, she's really helped me and, and understood the sport and what I was going through and, and struggles. Like, we didn't, 
we didn't get to live a, a life really from 2020 to 28, basically, you know, it was racing on the weekends and sleeping on the weekdays because you're trying to rest for the next race. So, you know, I'm just thankful that she, you know, allowed me to do that so that we could race and took time away from her friends and her family to come share this dream with me. And yeah, she's really been a huge part of it. I'm just, it, I'm super thankful of what I've had and everything that she's done for me. It's like, it's just been really cool. And my friends too, back home have been a huge influence on me and pushing me and my family. So I'm, I'm just like, I'm really in a, I'm in a blessed spot in life. That's for sure. Hey, that's great. We, well, that's a, the great attitude to have. Uh, with that, you, you're obviously a dog lover. Uh, oh, yeah. You got a Marley, a, a golden retriever. How, how old is she? She's four. Four. Beautiful dog. You Now, I, I always wondered, because I actually just came down. I just surprised my four daughters with a yeah. baby boxer. <laughs> or Molly's going to get some FaceTime. I've met Marley, right. a beautiful dog. Do you have a buzzer down? What's that? What do you the mean? The hair? Do you have, do no, you have a trimmer? No. no. Let her, I just let her go and I live with the hair. Live with the hair. Yeah, look at her. Marley, come here. Come here, girl. Oh, look at Marley. Yeah. Gold, beautiful, beautiful She's doggy off. right there. Yeah, they're, yep. they're good dogs. I really, she was so easy to train. Everything was super easy. Ah, that's fantastic. Now tell me, Jimmy, we're obviously got some questions that we, we're, our fans, you know, I, I try to make it a little fun for. What yep. is your favorite movie? My favorite movie is probably Rush Hour 2. Rush I really Hour 2? Like yeah. Ah, uh, oh, that's a good one. That's, that's some yep. fun. What about favorite book? Favorite book. I really enjoyed, um, I worked with um, one of my mental coaches that I worked with. His name's Jock Stellar, and he's based out of uh, Concord, North Carolina, actually right by my house. And he has a book, uh, Performance Thinking, and that's that's pretty much been my favorite book, my go-to since awesome. I, as uh, soon as I learned about him and what he's taught me and what I've learned in life, that's now been my favorite, my tool, I would call it. Yeah, you're, you're the second Bible. Uh, you could go anywhere. Where, where, where are you going anywhere in the world, your favorite destination or a place you'd like to visit? Um, I would say me and my wife, we went to Bali for our, our honeymoon, and that was just unbelievable. I would honestly, that place yeah. was awesome, absolutely beautiful. I, or Banff, where we got married, that place was awesome. Oh, that's great. Uh, you have one, uh, you know, before we get on the diet, one uh, yeah. one meal a week that you're like, you know what, I, I am going to cheat. I want to guess it, but I don't want to get it wrong. No, you can go for it. It's bad. It's bad. If no, it, you know, this isn't makes, bad. That makes it help. Makes it easy. You, you know what? It just it, it completely changed my answer, but I know you're a huge pancake guy. Uh, but I, that's probably not the ultimate cheat meal. No, because I'll just do the gluten-free pancakes. So then I don't feel like I'm like cheating that bad. But my biggest one is, especially mostly after a race, is the Big Mac. Big oh, Mac. Wow. I'm like, oh, for how clean I eat, I I can't believe I eat that. Because I get done with it, I'm just like, oh, what are you doing, you idiot? You want to get back on the bike and ride or sweat or yeah, do something. I, I don't know why. That's my like food. How many calories you burn during a race? Yeah, is there? Uh, it depends. When we're doing Supercross, which is 15 minutes indoors, that's the main event technically, but you're actually riding practice, heat race, qualifying, all that. It ends up being about an hour. So you're probably burning 1,200 calories. We burn about 1,000 calories a little bit wow. more. Wow. Okay. Now tell me this, Jim, uh, Jimmy, with regards to uh, – uh, what did I want to ask you? I apologize. One question I didn't ask you um, yep. is, you know, obviously you, you have a gluten allergy. Uh, my 13-year-old, excuse my 12-year-old daughter, she has celiac disease, um, which so we've went 100% gluten, which yeah. being Italian, yeah. I love my 
I love my pizza. Uh, that being said, can you maybe elaborate on the diet a little bit in terms of when you were racing, the training, uh, you know, how important that is maybe for our younger riders out there? It's To me, I believe it is one of, if not first, the second piece to the puzzle in, in motocross and supercross, at least in our sport. I mean, especially me, I grew up in New England, junior B, three ways, and dude, any steak, fries, whatever you want. So it's like, I didn't realize until I got Lyme disease about eating healthy. So I never knew on race day, I'm just carving up with gluten and all this stuff that was giving me inflammation. So I'm just doing a sport that's giving me inflammation, eating food that's giving me inflammation. And I'm like, okay, what? Eventually you're going to run out of, you run out of fuel here. So when I found out that the gluten was giving me inflammation along with dairy, I actually was like, whoa, this is, and I started knocking those out. My sinuses went away my like extra inflammation in my body, that bloated feeling, all that stuff started going away. And thankfully, I'm not celiac, so I don't respond as bad as say your daughter may, but I do respond. Basically, what I respond to now, I figured out like I can't eat gluten. I just have to eat it in very, very low, low moderation and everything's got to be in moderation. And the thing that hurts me the most is inflammation food, basically. So if I eat an anti-inflammatory diet, I'm, I feel pretty, pretty good and happy and feel like I live a good life. If I slack off and I go away on the diet, no matter if I'm on the best supplements in the world, the diet will, will knock me back further than pretty much any. And that's, it's great to hear you say that. Cause I'll tell you right now, I've been, you know, 95% gluten free, but I haven't touched gluten in, in about six months. I've just started dairy and that's as awesome. you, it is, but I'll, uh, hard, it, very hard, but because I love whipped cream. But uh, the, and it, I, I saw Varsity Blues, and you know, you, you see that. Coconut, go to Whole Foods, they have coconut whipped cream. Coconut like, whipped cream, fantastic. I'm doing like, that. That's, so it's like, that's what I've learned is just, I've gone to Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, I have my spots now, and I can find, I can get almost all my cheat stuff that's gluten-free or dairy-free. And, you know, just because it's gluten-free or dairy-free, I've learned, doesn't mean it's good either. So you got to be smart with that too, and in moderation on some of those things too. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's just trying to keep inflammation down because that's you. Oh, Frankie, Frankie, did you want to throw in a? Come on, oh, Frankie. I just, wanted, I just wanted to ask Jimmy real quick. So you just made a, a good point that just because it's dairy free or gluten free, it might not be so good for you. But in place of those products, sometimes is it also the sugar that's uh, substituted for certain foods that actually could also work against you? Yeah, absolutely. Some of that gluten-free stuff will be high sugar or they'll, they'll hide it with, they'll use cornmeal. That's not a good one. Corn's really not a good thing to eat for lime. So like they'll catch you with these words where they say gluten-free, dairy-free, and then you see the ingredients and you're like, that's not going to be good for me. And right. you'll learn eating that stuff. I'll learn that I'll respond to it and be like, okay, that wasn't, that wasn't good. I didn't feel it. But yeah, absolutely. You have to be just because it's stuff says healthy or gluten-free or dairy-free it doesn't mean it's it's good for you i've learned if it's dairy-free it should be from like a nut or something like that like a cashew or anything like that and in coconut or almond milk stuff like that other than that everything else could i give let me give you my one little recommendation uh i try to stay away from dairy like you guys uh i don't like anything with coconut milk i don't like soy i don't like soy i don't know but I discovered through ice cream, I discovered oat milk ice cream. And man, that yeah. to me is like almost exactly like real ice cream. I love it's it. not so, bad. Oat milk's good. Okay, good, yeah, good. You know, you know what yeah, I've been... That's dairy-free. Yeah. Yeah, we've been hitting cashew milk ice cream. 
cashew which, milk. Yeah, which isn't bad because I'm a we have options. That's what I've learned. Five years ago, it wasn't it wasn't as big. His stuff wasn't like this. You couldn't well, go out and get all those ice creams. It was he wanted no, to get I, to make it from scratch. Yeah, you would. And I and I've got obviously, uh, you know, four kids. So it's always like, hey, going to let's get an ice cream or something. The other night, my oldest is like, Daddy, she saw him. I got a, a gift card for uh, Dairy Queen from someone yeah. for my uh, for uh, Father's Day. And I'm like, oh, a blizzard. And then I found out I got to get away from the dairy. So we actually saluted with a dilly bar, yeah. dairy-free. And uh, that was, uh, I know, it was like. Uh, compared to a blizzard, though. Like, no, at all. Blizzard, I want to say it was like a yeah. year ago at time. And I was like, what am I? This is this is what ice cream's about. About, it is. Till about 30, 30 minutes. 30 minutes later and you're keeled over. Does uh, Richardson's have any options for us when it comes to like dairy free? No, I don't know. They might. You could get sherbet or sherbet or whatever. Frank, I think you're going to have to look into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we definitely have something going on here if we can find something. Yeah, yeah no, most definitely. Maybe, and then you go uh, you go hit a hole-in-one at the, the mini golf course. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jimmy, we obviously appreciate you being here. You embody the no-backing-down spirit. You define what it means to battle through adversity, take those big boulders and crush them into small pieces of rocks and move forward. Uh, we wish you the best in your future endeavors, and we look forward to hopefully having you back on again maybe uh, when you come out of retirement to, to hit that podium again. That's right. I, I'm sure I will. Oh, or, as, or, as a famous, or as a famous golfer. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah. I figure the golf thing, I'm 28, so if I work hard for 22 years, by the time I'm 50, I could get on the Champions Tour. And there you go. I'm not going to be near Jordan Spieth, but if by the time I'm 50, if I've been practicing for 28 years or 22 years, I might have a chance to compete. <laughs> you know what? At my wedding when I'm 28, I, I actually I sang to my wife, uh, I know I loved you before I met you, and I had that in my head for the next 10 years I'd practice in the shower and maybe have that shot to get on American Idol. But we're, we're going to take a knee, and I just appreciate the Andre Bocelli listening to his lyrics. But, uh, hey, with your situation, you're an athlete. And as long as you can continue to use Smitty as a punching bag on the golf course, you're, you're uh, you know, obviously confidence will soar. Yep, exactly okay. right. Well, Jimmy, we wish you the best. Enjoy uh, the rest of the summer. Hopefully we'll get through this COVID. I look forward to seeing you down, hopefully, when I come uh, to, a, to a Panthers game. and uh, Should do that. Uh, that. That would be great. But uh, continued success. Stay safe. And always remember, no backing down. Thanks, Thank Jimmy. You. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Ari. Thank you, Frankie. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for having Ciao. me. Thank Bye-bye. you.